Hello and welcome to The Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we continue in the epilogue, Four Dearest Ones, the letters that our hero, the Silver King, wrote to his family throughout the war. It's mid-February 1945. It's been a busy month so far for our hero, and it's about to get busier. Stanley wrote what for me remains one of his most significant letters from Europe during his war. It's February 15th, 1945, and the king has been a second lieutenant since he graduated from bomber school in the middle of January of 1944. So he's been a commissioned officer for 13 months. And on this day, as he writes to his family, he's now a first lieutenant and entitled officially to wear his silver bars. Dearest ones, no mail last night, but tonight made up for it. I received three letters from you, plus one from you, Dad. It's the most wonderful feeling in the world when there is mail from you. I can't describe the exact feeling. I can only thank you from the bottom of my heart for writing me so faithfully. I was terribly shocked and very sorry to hear of Mrs. Bailey's death. I had no idea she was even ill. It was certainly sweet of you to go to the funeral, as I'm sure you were a comfort to Abe and Joe. I shall surely write Abe the first chance I get. I'm only sorry your letter didn't arrive sooner. Thanks awfully for your kind wishes on my receiving the air medal. Your sweet letters make me feel as though I have really achieved something. Since then, I have received an oak leaf cluster to the medal. It is in lieu of a second medal, only adds a little decoration. Your package came in good shape and was certainly a good one. Also, it came fairly fast since it was mailed January 9. As always, each is truly appreciated. Thanks a million for being so sweet. You have really sent loads of them as evident from my well-stocked supply of cigarettes, soap, and food. However, I'm still waiting for the one with the stationery. It should be here soon. This was a swell day. I slept until noon and was out all afternoon as the weather was real nice. With the assistant operations officer living in the same room with me has proven to be a lucky break. I requested a certain fellow to be navigator on our crew, and he saw to it that it was fulfilled. This fellow came over with us as a bombardier, but they decided to make him a navigator. We've been together since Columbia and have been great friends. Now my crew is complete with all good boys. I couldn't have picked better fellows to fly with. Take care of yourselves and keep well. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. 
love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. I marvel at this letter. Stanley, as you know from the stories that we've told and shared, ultimately went to work for his uncles, Abe and Joe Bailey, as a beauty supply salesman covering a legendary territory in northern Illinois in the 1960s. But those days were 15 years in the future. And right now, this up-and-coming veteran is sharing words of compassion with his mother, whose sister Rose is married to Abe Bailey. The fact that the king's first oak leaf cluster has arrived right around the time that he has been promoted to be a first lieutenant is a remarkable and happy coincidence for a warrior who has worked so hard. And of course, part of the backstory of all this is that when our family moved from Northbrook to Rockford in 1960, at the behest of his zany uncles, Abe and Joe Bailey, the king was about to forego his title. He was about to be a man named Stanley Seavers. And we as a family would be the Seavers. And the days of being the Silverfields were over. When I look back at that decision, which is now over 60 years ago, I do think in reading the King's War about the possibility and the reality of discrimination in the Air Corps regarding officers and their ability to move up in command. The Silver King may have never described specifically any discrimination in his letters. It was still likely that it was occurring, and of course he wasn't going to extend the likelihood of that idea in describing his day-to-day life during the war. But of course, his last name was Silverfield. And now, through the king's combination of charisma and negotiations, he's happy to report that his crew is complete with all good boys and that he couldn't have picked a better group of fellows to fly with. In the deep and extensive archive of the Silver King's War, of course, there's quite a bit of paperwork that covered the years that Stanley was in the Air Corps. And one stack, which is stapled together to this day, is the document that acknowledges the Silver King's promotion to first lieutenant. And it reads under a headline, CONFIDENTIAL, in all caps underlined, HEADQUARTERS, 9th Air Force, APO 696, U.S. Army, 15 February, 1945. Special Orders Number 46, 
Extract. Item number three. DP, under the provisions of Part 4D, AR 605-12, 17 August 1944, and pursuant to the authority contained in Directive 90 Headquarters, European Theater of Operations, USA, 17 August 1944. The following named officers are promoted to the temporary grade indicated in the Army of the United States with rank from date of this order. Second Lieutenant to First Lieutenant, all caps and underline. Stanley L. Silverfield, 0765449, Air Corps. James N. Fomby, Jr., 0720239, Air Corps. Jim Fomby, Jr. was the Silver King's co-pilot in the group that assembled to train on the B-26 at Barksdale Field in the summer of 1944. And within a week of this paperwork landing, before the end of February of 1945, Jim Fomby and his crew were shot down over Germany. The king had moved up to be a lead bombardier, and so... Jack Festy, the pilot, Fomby, the co-pilot, and the rest of their crew had a new bombardier. And they were declared missing in action in the monthly report from the 597th Squadron for February of 1945. Stanley, our hero, shares the news of his promotion with his family as he writes to them on February 22, 1945. Dearest ones, since writing you last, I received my long-awaited promotion. As of February 1-5, I am now a first lieutenant. It took me all of 13 months, but I finally made it. I didn't even receive my orders until yesterday, and I didn't even have silver bar to wear. I had to borrow one, from a roommate. So, I hope you received my request and have sent me some. Of course, it didn't come as a surprise, but still, it was received with a terrific sigh of satisfaction. Chances of ever becoming a captain are practically nil, as I would have to become squadron bombardier, and that's indeed slim. However, I am satisfied as is, though, knowing all the rank is in the ground forces. Now, you can tell me what Jerome is. I was supposed to meet Arthur in town yesterday, but I couldn't as I was on group duty again. Maybe I'll get to meet him next week. I did go to town last night for a few hours. Four of us went in to celebrate the promotions. We got fairly well tight, as usual, and we met a few nurses with whom we talked for a while. 
It surely is nice to talk with American girls for a change. Glorious will be the day when I leave this forsaken country for the good old states. I've just about had my fill of everything over here. Sherman made a rash statement when he said, War is hell. Hell couldn't be this bad. No more for now. Keep well and write soon. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. The irony of this letter, of course, is what the Silver King couldn't tell his family. Yes, it was nice to be able to share the news about his long-awaited promotion and that he was a first lieutenant, even though he didn't have any silver bars. But the king's lack of bars in this case paled in comparison with what he was feeling as he was attempting to write, and that his expression about war and hell and other things, and how he was fed up with what was going on over there, was his way of describing in part while disguising in full that his guys had gone down, that they didn't come back on a February day after a mission. The Silver King, to his long and lasting letters, to his ability to write and stay positive when things are difficult and dark, is a remarkable thing. As a writer, as a storyteller, as the son of an amazing scribe as a young man, I remain to this day spellbound by what the Silver King did in sharing the news with his family. He wrote on February 23, 1945, Dearest ones, you have no idea how happy your letter made me tonight. I was sort of down in the dumps, but now I feel a hell of a lot better. He continues in an attempt to assuage his mother's ongoing concerns when he writes, Mother, you shouldn't feel as bad as you do about things over here. On the contrary, I am very fortunate to be living so comfortably. We do have lights, heat, and quite a few comforts. Of what I wrote you was only that one instant when things weren't as usual. Please believe me, things aren't half as bad as I'm sure you must picture them. Don't deprive yourself of anything because of my predicament, and above all, forget that guilty conscience feeling. If you must feel sorry for someone, then do it for the man in the front lines. He is much more deserving of your sympathy than I will ever be. My living conditions can't be compared with what he must combat. When the war is over, he will have won it. Since writing last, nothing has happened of which I can write. The weather continues to be nice, and I am trying to make the most of it. I have eleven and three quarters. Please keep well and don't be too lonesome. 
I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. Our hero, the Silver King, continues to write in a way to guide his parents away from any bad news. It isn't always easy. And his sorrow does sneak in between the lines when he explains to his folks that there isn't really anything that he can write them about. But in returning to form, Stanley writes his last February letter on the 27th of 1945. Dearest ones, thanks for the seven sweet letters I have received. It is always a beautiful night when there is so much mail. They are dated from February 11 to 18, which makes it plain that the mail is improving after all. I certainly couldn't expect to receive a letter in less than eight days. I also received letters from Leona and Sherry. It surely is difficult to visualize Richie doing the things he is, as I can't believe he has grown so. I'm afraid by the time I get back, he will be too big for me to handle. It's a disappointment that Margie's eyes are turning brown. I had hoped they would remain blue, but I suppose brown are just as well. Sherry wrote his letter from England. He is there on leave and at a rest home. He has quite a few more missions than I do and certainly deserved it after flying so often. He is fine and having a swell time there. Also, his daughter is fine. I would surely like to be there with him and hope to get there soon. Thanks for sending the bars, but I can't understand why they haven't arrived if you sent them first class. I can surely use them, as I don't own any. Neither have any of the packages come, but that's expected, as it takes 30 days at least. About the metal, I intend to mail it to you as soon as I can get to Paris to buy you some perfume. I want to send them together. You asked about the food, and truthfully, it has improved considerably. We get a nice variety and plenty of it. Besides that, we always have a good stack in the room. Between the food we receive in packages and the eggs traded from the French, our stomachs are always full. As for heat, the weather has been so nice we hardly need a fire. So you see, all is well, and I'm comfortable, and I have no complaints except being lonely a little. I'm glad you're well, and pray you remain so. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly, and don't be too lonesome. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. The Silver King is always happy to get news from J.J. Sherry, and he really misses his buddy, and always wants to know, What's happening? Sherry is getting some R&R at what is known as a flak house in England. For the guys who flew many missions and needed a break, they were posted to facilities in England to rest. These flak houses were stationed throughout the countryside in a way that gave the flyers a break 
from the chaos of their wars. And the flack, of course, refers to what they flew through in the air during their missions. And as Stanley awaits his opportunity to travel to Paris and perhaps to visit J.J. Sherry at some point, we have reached the end of this episode of the epilogue for Dearest Ones, the letters that the Silver King wrote to his family during the war. And this is part 29. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.